1: life if you give your
0: heart and believe what he's done for you you'll be set
1: for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're through you'll be set for life God is not localized God is God over all creation He is the god of everything everywhere all the time okay? You can see why Tat and I said the temple of the great God, he was basically saying that predominant God over there in Israel's region, that God over there, they're building to that great God over there. He wasn't personally worried about that great God over there because over where Tat and I lived, he felt, no, that God doesn't have anything over me. So Ezra included this little tattletale of a letter just so that we could see the seemingly impossibility that God was going to glorify himself through. They're writing to the big king. This God way over there, this is going to be easy for us to shut down because we're bigger. We have bigger gods. We're going to snuff this out again. And that was the intention. Ezra is trying to stack the odds to make it look like it can't happen. You know, when you watch a movie and you got the hero and... The odds look against him like he can't win, but that's what's challenging about it. Let's see what he does to pull it off. Ezra's kind of like that. Let's see what God does to pull this off. So it's kind of heightening the, the tension a little bit. Ezra 5 verse 11, and thus they returned us an answer saying, we are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. Look at that. They didn't say just the God of overhearer. What do they say? We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth. That is a bold statement to make. Heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple that was built many years ago, which a great king of Israel built and completed. But because our fathers provoked the God of heaven to wrath, he gave them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Chaldean, who destroyed this temple and carried the people away to Babylon. So they admitted here's why the whole thing went south in the first place because we're the ones that messed up. Friends, you've got to be willing to tell other people that you messed up. Don't try to act like you're all perfect, goody-two-shoe Christian. You tell people. That's part of your testimony. You explain, I messed up, and I messed up bad. Well, how are you doing this now, Ray? How are you? Because God brought me back. So I am going to build this church. I'm going to build this congregation. I'm going to encourage, and I ask you to walk with me because God told me to do it. The same, this is a parallel story that's what's going on here is you in it. I love our good old tough-as-nails friends here, Zerubbabel and Jeshua. They are like the John Wayne of ancient Israel, okay? These guys are tough. They issued this response because Zerubbabel, he represented the governmental authority of Judah, while Jeshua represented the spiritual authority of Judah. They both responded in agreement. Now, isn't that great? Can you imagine if the United States had a spiritual authority that actually had a government position? Wouldn't that be nice? They had those things back then. But do you see how they responded? They said, this isn't just the God of over here. He is the God of everywhere. He is the God over heaven and all earth. They told Tatnai, he's the God of everything. He's even the God over where you live also. Whoa! now we're talking fighting words, aren't we? (laughs) He ain't localized. He's got over your house too, Bubba, right? That is a bold statement to reply with. I'm hoping you're seeing, I see some excitement out there. That's what these guys said, (laughs) okay? Ooh, good. Our God is over even you, whether you want to believe it or not. And Christians, you got to remember, when God tells you to do something and you do it, know that the eye of God is on you and that he is God over even your opposition. He has power even over them. Don't be afraid of them. You do what God told you to do. He's over them as well, even though they're not submitting to him. And they said also, we are servants of this God. They did not say, we are servants of Persia. Did you catch that? Oh, there's a double whammy. Getting big quick, isn't it? Our God is over you, and we are not servants of you. We are servants of God. And that seems rather defiant to say that. Yeah, kind of one of those, we're not going to take it anymore kind of letters. You ever have, have, have to say somebody, I'm not taking this off you anymore. That's kind of what they're saying. These guys of Judah, they have been beaten. They have been defeated and held captive. They've been abused long enough. They're tired of it. God got them out, and God says, now go. And they're like... Yeah, buddy, it's on. We're going. And they have heard the word of God preached. They have been encouraged back up again. And so they are rebuilding the temple of God, regardless of whatever you have to say about it. I'm going to do it. Now, this isn't rebellious defiance. This is obedient defiance. They want their God. I think that's what we need to see here. They want their God. I pray for a time in this nation where all the people that say they're a Christian will get to a point where they want their God. Right now, they really don't. You got your pockets that do, but people need to work and live and operate like they want him, not just go to church Sunday, checked off the box, I'm good. That's not wanting your God. You remember when it said they were diligently building the temple? Christian, are you diligent in your walk? Remember my explanation of what diligent means? It means you're really working for it. Like if I misplace my keys, but I don't have to go anywhere, I'll find it later. But if I'm late for work, where are my keys, man? I'm all over the... That's diligent. They were diligently working. Christian, we need to be diligently working. Be real about it, okay? They want their God. They want to build this temple. They want their worship back in line with their God again. They desire the relationship with God that God wants with them. They want it, want it. Now, remember in the previous chapter, there were officials that lied to other nations. They were trying to stop the temple project. They didn't want Israel to import lumber and other materials. So they lied by saying that the temple was destroyed because the people there in Jerusalem rebelled against the kings of the lands around them. They rebelled against the governments. We just saw the guy say, no, it wasn't because of that. It wasn't because we rebelled against men. It's because we rebelled against God. You men have nothing to do with it. Our God did this. So look here now in the letter, they were setting the record straight. They said the reason the temple was destroyed is because we angered not men, but because we angered the Lord our God. You see how they're setting the record straight. They're clearing the lies that have been told about them for all this time. Well, this is good. We didn't get taken down because of men then, and we won't be taken down because of men now. That's now, kind of a warning shot, if you ask me. So, kind of a warning even for these governor officials, do, don't try to stop this temple project. I wouldn't do it if I were you. I wouldn't try to get in the way of this because if they stopped it, then they could be under God's punishment even more than the Israelites were. It was kind of a threat. We did wrong, and God messed us up. You try to stop this temple project, God will mess you up too. That's just kind of putting it in my Raymond's terms, if you want to call it that. So anyway, the letter continues in Ezra 5.13. It says, however, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to build this house of God. Also, the they're reminding these guys what happened back with the original king, okay? These, they're, they're responding, here's how we got started. Also, the gold and silver articles of the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple that was in Jerusalem and carried into the temple of Babylon, those King Cyrus took from the temple of Babylon, and they were given to one named Sheshbazar, whom he had made governor. And he said to him, Take these articles, go and carry them to the temple site that is in Jerusalem and let the house of God be rebuilt on its former site. Then the same Shesh Bazar came and laid the foundation of the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. But from that time, even until now, it has been under construction and it is not finished. Now, therefore, if it seems good to the king, let a search be made in the king's treasure house, which is there in Babylon, whether it is, so that a decree was issued by King Cyrus to build this house of God at Jerusalem and let the king send us his pleasure concerning this matter. (laughs) I read that. I was like, wow, (laughs) that's gutsy to say that kind of stuff to these guys. So this is a real game of hardball here. Okay. Their response was to remind these guys, King Cyrus gave us the, the remnant to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple And even gave them back the temple tools and the furnishings that used to be in the original temple. We had all the stuff stolen. Cyrus gave it back to us and said, Go build it. And they even reminded these guys that it was a man named Sheshbazar who was given the task to carry out this command of the king. Sheshbazar was to do this. Now they were writing about these kings' commands. And they were giving names also, like Bazaar, to validate that their temple program was totally legal. This is a legal thing we're doing. It's right. Now, the reason they plugged the name Bazaar apparently that guy had a lot of weight in the Persian Empire. He was a big dog, okay? And so telling Tatnai that Bazar was involved in this, I think that would have given Tatnai a moment of pause. Uh-oh, Bazaar was in this. I did not know that. They're playing their cards well, aren't they? They really are. So Tat and I was starting to wake up and smell the coffee by now, I think. But suppose using Sheshbazar's name wasn't enough punch. Let's imagine I kind of do this when I study. What if that wasn't enough? I love it here where they dropped the real bomb on their heads. And I'm going to show you what they did. In Persian law, once you make a decree, you can't take it back again. That's the way the decrees, are. that's the way their laws are. Not even a king can undo a decree once it has been made. Now, if you remember the story of Daniel and the lion's den, the king at that time was King Darius, who we're getting into here, right? This is all going wrong at the same time. And Darius was tricked into having Daniel thrown in with the lions. He made some kind of decree. And so, not even the king to reverse it. That not even the king could reverse it. That's why Daniel had to sit down there all night with those lions. The king wanted to pull him out. He realized he'd been tricked, but because he decreed it for a time, he couldn't bring him out. So being that not even a king can undo a decree, <laughs> and I just love this because I'm about to hit you. A king can't undo a decree. Get that down, right? Then Zerubbabel and Jeshua from Judah they knew that King Cyrus' command for the temple to be rebuilt was written in the public record. So they told Ted and I, go look it up. Did you see that? You can't reverse it. We have the king's decree. You want to shut us down? Go look it up. I imagine Ted and I was like, oh, son of a gun. <laughs> what are we doing now? <laughs> I just love this. I just love it. Because it reminds me of the previous chapter. You remember when the nations were lying to King Artaxerxes to shut the temple project down? They said that Jerusalem was a wicked, rebellious city. And they told Artaxerxes, go look it up. Go look it up. You'll see it in the record. Go look it up. And I want to remind you of that because this is, this is good. I'm taking you back a chapter where they were trying to shut it down. They said in Ezra 4.14, it says, Therefore we have sent and informed the king that search may be made in the book of the records of your fathers, and you will find in the book of the records and know that this city is a rebellious city, harmful to kings and provinces, and that they have incited sedition within the city in former times for which, the co- for which cause this city was destroyed. They told the king, they're bad, they're evil, you got to shut the temple down, go look it up, it's in the book. Now, the book was not going to say, no, the real reason they got shut down is because they disobeyed the God of Israel. The books weren't going to say that. They were just going to say, look it up. They were destroyed. It's because they're bad people. So go look it up. And I just love it how they turn that same little trick back. Eh, you go look it up. We have every right to build this. We have every right, legal right. Go look it up. Be careful what you do to some people, they may turn the same thing back on you, okay? That's pretty much what just happened. Guys, this is genius. This is great work here. I love how they played the Persians own rule book against them. They played the same tactic the same tactic that had been used on them before. Go look it up. You look it up, and you will see that a decree that you came back, na na a decree was issued by King Cyrus telling us to rebuild the temple, and now you can't take it back. There ain't a doggone thing you can do about it. Once it hit the official book, it stays permanently on the record, and nobody can take it back out. That's powerful. You know, our own story is a lot like these Israelites here. Just like they did, we have all sinned against the Lord God. And our sin had a warning to it up front. It had a warning to it that it would cause us to be dragged away into captivity, just like how the Babylonians came and took them away as slaves. Sin makes slaves of us also. And I want to show you that in Romans 6, verse 16. It says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves, slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. You know, you're always going to be submitted to someone's authority. You can never say, well, I'm my own man, I'm my own woman, I do what I want to. No, you are always going to be under someone's authority at all times. You are either a slave to sin, or you are a slave to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That is your decision to make. And it's amazing how God even gives us that choice to let us determine which side we want to be. But when you submit yourself under the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, He knows that your days of sin have hurt you. He knows that your former days of sin have hindered you. He knows your former days of sin have shut you down painfully. And just like how the Lord God sent preachers to speak the word of God to encourage the people of Judah and lift them back up from their dark times, to strengthen them back up again, the Lord God has also sent us Jesus Christ to preach the word of God among us, to encourage us and lift us back up again and strengthen us back up to work, taking us back out from the dark times of our sin. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not. I'm going to read that again. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. That's a promise. It's not a maybe. He didn't say, I might strengthen you. He said, I will. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, there's times when we all feel defeated. There's times when we feel beaten down. I had quite a week of that. And that's when we need encouragement. And real encouragement comes by hearing God's word. That's what it really comes from. I can't tell you enough fluffy stuff, warm fuzzies to make it work in your life. I can't do that. I don't have the ability. A lot of people, they search for social media for people to build them back up. Oh, I'm having this terrible time and they they want the likes and the, oh, you can do it. Talk. Cotton candy, man. This is real from the word of God to be encouraged. Encouragement comes by hearing God's word as as does faith. Now, I made an illustration with the Israelites that I want to parallel over to us, to think that God can look at people who once rejected Him, who once turned their backs on Him, who said no to Him, and yet the Lord God still wants to encourage them if they will submit to Him. When I first learned this about God, I thought, what kind of God are you? (laughs) And I'm still learning who He is. He's amazing. He's a loving God. And this encouragement is what the people of Judah needed so that they would not quit in their work because they knew that the Lord was at work in this with them. Same with you. Don't quit. The times when you want to quit is when you feel like you're by yourself. That means you forgot that God's with you in this. Always remember he's with you, right? Friends, the kingdom work that we do, We know we can stand up against opposition as long as we will remember that this is God's work. This is not Ray Jensen's work, and it's not even your work. It's his work. He told them to build that temple for his purpose. The Lord has called you to something. He told you to go build something for his purpose. It's not yours. That's why he will see it through. we got to get our perspectives right. So I want us to learn to obey Philippians 3.14. says, I press. If you have to underline or highlight a word, that's it. Press. That means it's not easy. That means there's opposition. That means there's things in the way. I press. means you've got to work at it. Toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Salvation is absolutely 100% free. You do not have to work for it, thank God, because we already blew it. But once you get it, now you got to learn to press. You're saved, but if you want to do service work in the kingdom, now you got to learn to press. That's what he's talking about. We're going to be opposed. We will be accused. We will be called wicked. We will be called evil. But I want you to know that Satan is known as the accuser. He gets people to lie about us. He lies before Father God day and night telling us how terrible we are and why we shouldn't be saved. Well, you know what Ray did, God? He shouldn't be saved. He's the accuser. And there are people in this world that speak accusationally. That's the way they talk. They always look for fault in somebody. Oh, I found a fault, and they open fire. Turn on the news. You'll see it. Oh, we're going to talk about this guy today. and It's, it's accusation. Don't learn that language. You need to learn the language of your Father God from the Word. Don't learn to talk like those people, okay? You look for the best in everybody, and you work to try to build them up, believe it or not. You draw them to Jesus if they need it. If they're in Jesus, they have some discouragement in their life. You work to encourage them. Everybody needs encouragement. That's why he said you press. Now, Satan accuses us. He tries to say how guilty we are. We are not worthy to enter eternal life. All we have to do to Satan... And say, go to the book and look it up. He tells us, you don't get eternal life. You're not legal to step in the presence of the Father. And I say, look it up. Revelation 20, 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Friends, once you give your life over to Jesus, your name is written in God's record. And once it makes it into the official book, It stays permanent on the legal record, and no one can take it back out again. They called them, go look it up. You want to accuse me as a believer in Messiah Jesus, the Lord God of Israel, and tell me I'm too bad to go to heaven. I've been saved by Jesus, and if you don't believe it, I'll say the same thing the people of Judah said. You go look it up in the book. Find out for yourself. I'm 100% legal. I get to go home. Satan accuses us about how undeserving we are of eternal life. And we are. Frankly, we are. So when Satan's opposition comes at you, you just remember that your name, if you have given your life to Jesus and given him your life fully, your name is permanently in the record for eternal life. It's in that book. And once you give your life to Jesus, then the God of everything, the God of heaven and earth, will proclaim you saved and there ain't a doggone thing Satan can do about it. Romans 10, 13, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord might be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will probably be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, your chances look rather good. It's better than 50%. Say it. What does it say? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, you take that promise and you live with it and you walk in it. I know you've been defeated. I know you've been hurt. Learn to walk that limp out of your walk. You have been given legal permission by the king to pass through, and don't forget it. Now, when he calls you to do his work, get out there and do it. Press, I hope you've been encouraged today. Have you? Uh, oh, just hearing you say that makes it all worth it for me for the week. Man.